For this, our 10th season, we will focus on telling true stories about the men and women we have come to know over 28 years of recovery. Each episode will tell the story of what life was like as an addicted or alcoholic person, what happened to wake that person up, and what is life like today. Not all stories are ones of success. Some of our friends didn't make it as they relapsed and so far have not come in from the cold. Some died in circumstances that had nothing to do with their disease. Others had a rough start, but they persevered and now enjoy a full and productive life. Some are old guys like me, and others are relative youngsters who serve as great examples to other younger addicts. Our stories describe addicts and alcoholics of many different cultures, a range of socioeconomic status, different generations, gender types, and sexual preferences, if they're relevant to their story. I like to say that addiction and alcoholism are equal opportunity predators. They don't discriminate. And you will see how the stories we share about our friends will prove the truth of that statement. This is Season 10, Episode 12. I call this Adam the Original. My dear friend Adam was one of the funniest and most original characters I had ever met in my entire life up to that point, and maybe still. That point was the mid-1980s when I was at the height of my own insanity as an alcoholic and drug addict. I was also addicted to Adam's daughter, and he knew it. That was all okay with him, as he could see that I cared for her deeply. Although his volatile daughter and I were constantly fighting, Adam surmised that we were just two very passionate and stubborn people who would someday be married and truly settle down emotionally. That was my hope, too. It's a beautiful woman. He was a gruff ex-Marine who would embrace me with a bear hug and an offer of a beer. Right away, right this minute, he would say. He had enjoyed a hugely successful career as a developer, but made a few disastrous deals, lost it all, and still owed the banks and the IRS. He had no problem admitting he was an out-and-out drunk. He drank beer all day long, watched TV all night long, lying on his stomach in the beat-up living room and falling dead asleep only to wake up by noon and clean up and start over. He would look at me and say, Take a good look at my wife. Can you imagine having her as your mother-in-law? Good grief. Jesus Christ, no way. (laughs) His wife was as loving a creature as you could imagine, but she was also a screamer when things went off the wall, which they did all the time. She told me what he would do during the 4th of July week when everyone in the neighborhood was setting off firecrackers and such. Here's her story. One time he was just sitting on the back porch, more like lying on a lawn chair, and he would throw a lit firecracker and see if he could get the thing to land on the roof of the doghouse. It's a true story. Sure enough, the poor dog was already scared out of his mind with all the explosions going off. And Adam got a firecracker to land right on the roof and the dog comes running out like a madman and breaks his collar and off he goes. She had had quite enough and she called the police. They knew Adam pretty well. They told him never to do it again or he would spend yet another night in the jailhouse. And by the way, we have your dog, the sergeant said. I was there for this next crazy, hilarious incident. Now please remember that most of the time when Adam and I were together, we were also at least partially drunk. We were finishing lunch in his kitchen, and Adam leans over to me and says, You ever fire one of these? He's holding a thirty-two caliber Beretta handgun. I told him that I didn't like handguns, but rifles were okay with me. 
He slips the gun into my hand as he's loading it with a clip and I could feel the weight of the fully loaded weapon in my hand. Next thing I know, he takes the gun from my hand very gently, takes the safety off, walks over to the door leading to the basement and opens the basement door. He points the gun down the steps and lets loose with what, who, with, with, who knows how many shot, shots fired one after the other really quickly. Bam, 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 six times maybe. The cats in the basement are flying around. The wife comes bounding down the steps with all her 200 pounds while the man is slowly and casually putting the pistol back into its case all nice and tidy. She starts slapping the back of his head as she stands there and he's sitting there and she shouts at the top of her screamy voice, Don't slap you, slap, ever slap, do that again. Slap, slap. Now who knows which cat you killed down there for Christ's sake. God, if you hurt my buster... I'm going to take that goddamn pistol and blow your brains out. Adam is as cool as a cucumber and turns to me and says, See what I have to put up with here? <laughs> I don't know whether he was the author of, the, of this poem or not, but it hardly matters as I treasure the sentiment to this day. I guess I was the only one of his daughter's boyfriends who would just come and visit him just to hang out. I did that even after his daughter, Shar, and I had broken up. Maybe that's why we bonded so well. Here's what he wrote. Ode to Friendship. Friendship ain't just shaking hands and saying howdy-do. Friendship grips a fellow's heart and warms it through and through. He was a crazy old drunk who never stopped drinking, never even tried. I didn't do a damn thing about it since I was just as crazy a drunk as he was back then. Maybe that's why we always got along so well. Whenever I stopped to visit him, I took a two-hour ride to Allentown, Pennsylvania from New York City, where I lived. I never failed to show up for the cold 12-pack of Rolling Rock beer. The last time I saw him alive, he was in the VA Veterans Administration Hospital in Scranton, Pennsylvania. He was all bloated from kidney failure, and his color was a horrible yellow from a failing liver. He didn't complain, and we watched him die. I was, in fact, the only ex-boyfriend who showed up for the man's funeral. My ex and I almost made it back together that day. She was the love of my life or at that crazy stage of my life. She stopped drinking on her own, and maybe that's why she stayed away from me. Both Adam and his daughter became very dear to me. They were a gift and a lesson, too. A gift for love freely given is most precious and, and endures beyond death. A lesson because we come to learn that ordinary human love cannot defeat a most deadly disease we know as alcoholism. What have we learned from the story of Adam, the original? We learned that, I think we learned that, number one, deep sadness exists underneath all the lighthearted fun that comes with party time as a drinker. There's always the next day. There are always consequences. Two, this tragedy of Adam's story is of a talented man whose life was taken by alcohol, who admitted he was an alcoholic and yet did, no, alcoholic and yet did nothing to stop his downhill slide. Three, my love and friendship served to enable Adam, but I had no clue that I was contributing to his ultimate undoing. I had such a great time with him and loved him so much I, I could forgive anything. Four, what the world would see as bizarre, Adam and I took as, a, as if we were in a movie where the others are crazy and we were the only sane ones. Five, watching a man die in front of my own eyes did not shake me up enough to question whether I might not end up as he did from his drinking. Our podcast is sponsored by safehouserehab.com 
a modern approach to recovery. To learn more, visit us at safehouserehab.com.